You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey everyone, welcome back to Across the Romaverse. I'm here with for episode 15. Uh, this is being recorded right after Roma's victory against Young Boys in the Europa League. This is Steve hosting tonight. Uh, I'm hosting solo tonight because I have a special preview episode looking ahead to Sunday's big match against Sassuolo. Uh, with me tonight, I have David Amoyal. He's of the Calcio Land podcast. I don't know if any of you have listened to his podcast before. If you're not familiar with it, it is a great Serie A podcast. David covers the whole league, including many of the mid-table clubs like Sassuolo, who's not really mid-table this year, but those smaller clubs who don't get as much recognition on some of the podcasts that are out there. Uh, he's also a writer on Gianluca DiMarzio's English language site. So David, it's a pleasure to have you on. And how are you doing tonight? Thank you so much for having me, Steve. It's a real pleasure. Uh, I love Sassuolo. I've been following him for a very long time. I'm humbled to be the Sassuolo correspondent on your podcast. I'm going to add this uh, to my resume. So it's a pleasure to be here and your listeners will also be able to hear you on my podcast talking about Roma, but I'm very excited to chat Sassuolo with you. Great. Thanks for coming on. So before we get into Sassuolo, just because we are recording right after Roma's Europa League victory against Young Boys, Roma did win today 3-1 against the Swiss side. Uh, With that win, Roma clinched the group. Uh, They're on 13 points through five matches with just one match day remaining. So uh, we knew coming in that this was a group that Roma should win, and they have done that. Uh, in fact, I saw a tweet earlier that it's the first time in Roma's European history that they've won four of their first five matches in a group stage. So kudos to Fonseca for that. Not the toughest group, but they're getting the job done, uh, especially after the Sunday loss to Napoli. So many of us were worried about how Roma would fare mentally. They bounce back nicely, even conceding the first goal and still uh, really dominating young boys with a 3-1 victory. Roma had 11 shots on target to young boys one. They controlled 64% of possession. So an impressive win. Uh, goals from Mayoral, Calafiori, and Dzeko. Um, Fonseca really managed this one, I think, with an eye to Sunday's match with some of his substitutions. He had some of those sort of premeditated subs. He went with a fairly uh, reserve side, so to speak. Most of the reserves started, and he made substitutions in the 46th minute, bringing on Spinazzola for Ibanez, Mkhitaryan for Pedro to kind of rest those legs. And then again in the 60th with Pellegrini for VR and Dzeko for Mayoral as those two try to work their way back to fitness from COVID. Same goes with Fazio, who came in in the 65th minute for Cristante. Uh, I won't spend too much time on this match because we do want to get into Sassuolo, but if you haven't seen Calafiori's goal yet from today, 
definitely check it out. It was quite the hit for his Roma first goal uh, for the young Roman, the 18 year old. So uh, good for him and good for Roma. They move on out of the Europa League group. And uh, with that in mind, now they can turn their attention to Sassuolo in 72 hours. So we'll get into Sassuolo with David now. Um, just for those of you that may not be so familiar with Sassuolo, they've been in Serie A since the 2013-14 season. So they're in their eighth consecutive season in Serie A. Uh, uh, Eusebio De Francesco was the manager that brought them to Serie A. So we're well familiar with him. Um, you know, that's where he really springboarded to make the jump to Roma. Uh, and the only time that Sassuolo has made a European appearance was in 15-16 when they uh, qualified for the Europa League with a sixth place finish. Uh, and this year, they're exceeding expectations in many ways, even though they were projected to be kind of that sleeper team that could push for a European spot. They're currently on 18 points, level with Inter in second place, um, and just you know five points behind Milan in first. So, David, how has a club like Sassuolo managed to build such an impressive side, in your opinion? Yeah, you know, Sassuolo, a very interesting team. There are definitely a lot of parallels uh, with Atalanta. Um, Sassuolo is based in even a smaller city than Bergamo. They're not even a provincia, like a real city in Italy. But don't let the size of the club, um, you know, kind of take them for granted because they actually have one of the wealthiest owners in Italy, Squincy, who was their owner, he passed away last year. I mean, this was one of the richest men in Italy, like comparable to Berlusconi's wealth. And he really invested in the team. And I have to give a ton of credit to his kids. They've done a fantastic job since he passed away because there was a lot of concern that with the original owner gone, it would fall apart. But no, the kids have done a great job. I think Sassuolo have a, one of the best sporting directors in all of Italy, uh, Carnevali. It wouldn't shock me if one day we see him running a club like Juve or Inter. Uh, he's that good. Uh, Sassuolo, you know, although they're a small team, they've developed relationships with so many big clubs. So they started in Italy. You know, they obviously done a lot of deals with the top teams in Italy, including Roma. Sabatini, when he was at Roma, went to them often. You know, Di Francesco, but players too. And, you know, they've uh, continued to build on that. And they went outside of Italy. A lot of people remember that amazing signing when Boateng went to Barcelona, which to this day is still one of the craziest transfers ever. Then they work out a deal with Chelsea for Boga, who's been great for them. So although they're a small club, they have big ambitions. They have big resources. They own their stadium, which is very rare in Italy. So really the parallels to Atalanta are very obvious and uh, for good reason. And it wouldn't shock me if we see Sassuolo continue going on this trajectory. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that about Squeenzy and the Squeenzy family because Mape uh, is big money in Italy. And, you know, that oh, yeah. stadium aspect is huge. We know Rome has been struggling so long to get their own stadium. And uh, especially for a team like Sassuolo, who's a smaller club, that extra revenue uh, is big. I noticed uh, recently they let out a report about the biggest shirt sponsor deals and similarly the way Juve uses Jeep, which is owned by Fiat to yeah. prop up their finances. They do a similar thing with Mape. So credit to them for being able to build such a good side. And we'll get into some of those players you mentioned later, but before we get to the, the 11 men on the field, let's talk about their manager because not only is Carnivale a impressive sporting director, but Roberto Di Zerbi is really mm -hmm. become one of the most impressive managers in Italy uh, maybe one of the most young, uh, excuse me, most impressive young managers in Europe at this point. He's now with his third season with Sassuolo. 
uh, after shorter stints with Palermo, where he did not finish out the season at Benevento, where he took over the club when they were struggling. That led him to the Sassuolo job, where his overall record isn't the most impressive in the in 84 matches in the league. He's 28, 28, and 28, ironically. But this season, he's really starting to you know establish himself as one of those top managers. So, what can you tell tell us about his playing style? Yeah, the Zerbi is has been the golden child of Italian managers for a while. He was a fringe player. I think he only played three games in Serie A, but always had a lot of confidence in himself tactically. Uh, now, uh, he came on my radar years ago. You know, I've been working with Di Marzio for a while. And when I started working on his side, and we're talking six, seven years ago, he told me, really watch the Zerbi. And the Zerbi was at Foggia back then. And older Roma fans will remember that's also where Zeman was. And their similarities at the beginning of the Zerbi's career are clearly there. So he made a name for himself. Then he went to Palermo. And like most Palermo managers struggled mm-hmm. to hold on to his job. And then I think Sassuolo was just the perfect team for him at the perfect time. Uh, look, he was very close to joining Roma. Like when mm-hmm. Fonseca got the job, the Zerbi was right there, the runner up for the job. Now, look, I think Fonseca has been really good at Roma. I think at the time it was the right choice. And I don't think Fonseca has done anything to say, oh, you know, we really should have hired the Zerbi. Now, is it possible that Zerbi is going to be a better manager long term? Yeah, I, I think there's a chance. The thing that stands out to me about the Zerbi this season, the biggest change is in the past, it didn't seem like defense was something he was interested at all. Uh, for basketball fans, it's a little bit like Mike D'Antoni's offense, just, you know, score a ton of points while outscore the opposition. And that was Sassuolo's mantra for a while. But this season, that really changed. Like, he had three clean sheets in a row, which I would have never expected Sassuolo to do. And one of them was against Napoli, no less, where they won going down there. So I always think, uh, I think there's also a lot of parallels between the Zerbi and Sarri when he was coming up. I'd say more at Empoli than what we saw at Napoli. So a great manager. I used to last year tweet kind of as a joke that the Zerbi one day should manage Barcelona. But now I absolutely think that's in play. Uh, That wouldn't surprise me at all if in two, three years he goes there. I think in a lot of ways, it's kind of the Italian version, a little bit of Guardiola. And now that he cares about defense and he does it really with defenders, you really wouldn't want on your team. I, I think he's definitely one to watch for sure. Yeah, I like that Saudi comparison because even though, like you, I would compare Sassuolo to Atalanta in some ways with their rise in terms of a manager, very dis- different than Gasparini because Gasparini's much further along in his career. I think the the younger Saudi at Empoli is a great comparison. Um, so the improvements on defense are important for them. Any strengths of his as a manager that you think make him so successful? Well, it's the ability to build from the back has always kind of been his trademark. And the other thing that really stands out to me is how well he's developed players. Um, And I know we're going to get into some in a minute, but he's really done a fantastic job um, improving his players. Um, You know, I've been thinking a lot, like a club like Fiorentina, it was insane that they didn't hire the Zerbi last summer, just completely insane because now He's priced himself like he's way past the team like Fiorentina. As a matter of fact, like why would you even leave this Sassuolo 
for Fiorentina. But last summer, they could have. He's the type of manager that you bring on. It's going to excite the fans because they, they're going to play well. They're going to get results, but it's also going to make the sporting director really happy because the value of the players is just going to grow exponentially. So I would say, you know, he's a great teacher. He has multiple ways of attacking. It's not just really one way. And I'd say in that sense, maybe even more exciting than Sarri with that. But Sarri always was a better defensive manager than the Derby. And as I mentioned earlier, that that is improving. So, yeah, you you really kind of get the full package with him right now. Yeah, that's a good shout on Fiorentina, too, because you think if he had players like Castrovili and Chiesa yeah. before they sold him in Vlaovic, he had some shiny toys there he could have played with. But uh, like you said, he's probably priced himself out of a Fiorentina, a club like that. So uh, looking ahead, what are your predictions on his future? What would it take for him to stay past this season at Sassuolo? What would it take for him to leave? And where do you ultimately see him ending up in the near and long term yeah. future? Yeah, it's a great question. And again, look, Sassuolo are very exciting. Uh, say Sassuolo somehow finished fourth and go to the Champions League. Do I think he would leave then? Probably not. As a matter of fact, I think that would almost be certain that he stays. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it would be a great story if uh, he stays. But I think Sassuolo has also shown that they are good at going around and discovering another manager because, you know, Di Francesco was highly rated. When he was there, look, you know, in a lot of ways, Milan would be fit the Zerbi style more than anyone. They, I would say, are historically known for that style of play. He is pretty similar to Arrigo Sacchi, who was the manager that really made Milan into the great team that they were under Berlusconi. So uh, we'll see. You know, I'd love to see him at a club like Lazio next season. I probably don't want to hear it on a Roma (laughs) podcast, but... uh, you know, that would be fun. But then you got to ask yourself how big of a jump is there. And who knows, maybe Juve, I mentioned earlier that it really wouldn't shock me if someday Carnevali, the sporting director from Sassuolo, heads over there. So you can't put it past them that maybe both of them go there. Maybe not next season, but the year after. So, yeah, I also would kind of be intrigued for the Zerbi at Inter if Conte because I don't know, I don't know if he'll be there uh, next season, and I think that would actually be uh, Pazza Inter with the Zerbi. That would be a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So we'll see what the future holds for him. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with Sassuolo finishes, like you mentioned. So let's start to break down the team. So through the years, you know, Sassuolo's had players like Lorenzo Pellegrini and Matteo Politano, who we're, we're familiar with here in the Romaverse, uh, Demiral, who's now with Juve, Acerbi, who's now with Lazio all turned into standouts there among many others that have come through Sesswell in their eight years uh, in Serie A. This year, you know, I think they really have three stars that people look to. Um, you know, Domenico Berardi, who's become the captain. He's been there along the whole ride. He's now 26 years old. Uh, he's been with Sesswell since 2012 when they're in Serie B. Uh, 84 goals and 253 appearances. He's finally starting to make his way into the Italy setup a bit. He seemed to have matured a bit too uh, in many ways. Uh, then you have Manuel Locatelli, 22 years old. He's been with Sassuolo for now. Th- this is his third season, previously with Milan, where things didn't work out as a, a very young player. Uh, and Jeremy Boga, who came through Chelsea's academy, also in his third season with the club, 23 years old. And he was a big coup for them to be able to keep him past last year when his loan was up. So what do you make of those three players? What makes each one so of them so good? And where do you see their long-term futures? Great question. Well, I have to say I am 
completely fell in love with Locatelli. I completely changed my opinion on him. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not someone who gets that excited about prospects in general. Um, I, I, I need to see it at a top level more. And I thought Locatelli checked all the boxes for a player that was going to be really overrated. He came from a youth system of a big team like Milan, scored that goal against Juve, beautiful goal against Juve, and you felt like he was propped up because of that. Uh, then Milan ends up selling him because they needed to make a plus Valenza. He was a homegrown player. They made a profit on him, and I was like, okay, that'll be the end of that. He'll go to Sassuolo. The first season was okay, not great. But, man, he's completely turned it around this year. I think that Zerbi, if, if, if there's any player that he's, he's improved a lot of them, but that, him especially, I think he's a superb playmaker. Did Zerbi call them the best Italian midfielder right now? I don't know if I'd go quite that far, but he's definitely, eventually will be in that conversation. And he's a classic old school uh, regista. You know, I talked about how Fiorentina is going to have a lot of regrets with the Zerbi, in my opinion. And I think Juve right now maybe regrets not getting Locatelli sooner because he's exactly the type of player they've been lacking in their midfield. Even Pirlo right now says, I don't have a regista. And it's kind of ironic, the greatest regista of our lifetimes managing a team that doesn't have one. Um, and yeah, so I think Locatelli is terrific. I think we're going to see him leading a top Italian midfield next season. Juve and third team like that. You know, it wouldn't surprise me. There's going to be interest from the Premier League as well, but he's a young player who, you know, has a pedigree from a big club in Italy. So, yeah, I think we're going to see him in Serie A, but on a big team next season. And Juve and Sassuolo have a great relationship. Uh, to me, that's the one that makes the most sense. So I, I love Locatelli, really terrific. Uh, Berardi, when you said 26, I was like, I feel like this guy's been in our lives for like 10 years and it's close to it. Um, a very interesting uh, figure. Uh, look, you know, Berardi in a lot of ways is like Di Natale 2.0, not in the role that they play, but in the personality that they have. You know, I remember Di Francesco when he used to talk about Berardi, people are like, you know, why didn't you bring him to Roma or why isn't he on a big team? And he just said, look, he's a very shy person really laid back doesn't want too much pressure did Zerbi said about him that um, Berardi is really aware of what makes him a great player and it's the environment being where he's comfortable being in a system and you have to give him I don't know if you you know maybe you should branch out and try something else but uh, he's been very successful there uh, you know, when he was coming up, we thought maybe he could be the Italian version of Robin with that great left foot. Hasn't lived up quite to that, but Berardi is a really good player, a really, really good player. Uh, so, yeah, but it also wouldn't shock me if he stays at the Swallow a bit more, especially if they keep up uh, their trajectory. And then Balga, uh, really, really exciting. Uh, did Zerbi, you know, said that the only player that he thinks is definitely a better dribbler than Boga is Messi. And then he said after that, I'd have to think about it. He's not shy uh, to praise his players. But uh, yeah, he's really sensational. I thought last season, Boga, like goals, assists, really, really carried to swallow for a while. Very exciting player. And look, you know, he had COVID to start the season, missed a decent amount of games. You have to give credit to Sassuolo getting off to such a fast start 
without him. And uh, yeah, I thought you mentioned it really well. You got to give a lot of credit to Sassuolo. They had him on loan. They, they had kind of Chelsea had this weird option where they could buy him back. They decided not to use it. Uh, but again, I think too, it's because Sassuolo probably developed a great relationship with Chelsea. Don't be surprised if more deals happen between those two clubs. So yeah, those are really the three that stand out. There are more, but yeah, I, I would agree. Those are the three stars. Yeah. Um, and Locatelli, I, I should have mentioned too. And when I was in, introducing him, he, in those past couple of games for Italy looked really strong. I think he's in strong contention, yeah. even to get some starts at the Euros. Um, yeah. Maybe the only Italian midfielder better right now might be Barella based on the way they're playing. So. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with yeah. you. Actually, Barella to me is without it. I would say even not just midfield. I'd say Barella's maybe the best Italian player right now. But, but in yeah. the midfield, yeah, I agree. Locatelli yeah. is, yeah, he's not quite Barella's level, but maybe next year he takes that leap as well. Yeah. So definitely some options for Mancini going forward in that midfield. Um, so sticking with that, well, any of those less heralded players who catch your eye, who really have helped them off to a great start? Sure. Well, you know, a lot of people know Chicho Caputo, kind of a little bit of the new version of uh, Schilacci. He's been excellent for them. They discovered this uh, French midfielder, Maxime Lopez, really highly rated. Um, you know, I have a friend of mine, Alex Frazio, that works for Gazzetta dello Sport, and he covers the under 21 for a long time and he was so excited when Sassuolo signed uh, Maxime Lopez and I was like if he's excited I'm gonna get excited and uh, but the Zerbi has done is like calcio hipster heaven he has uh, Lopez and um, and Locatelli playing together in the double pivot in front of the defense and those guys really don't defend a ton but they're great passers so uh, Maxim Lopez, definitely very intriguing. There's not that many good uh, right backs. Uh, I would say that's a pretty weak position in Serie A, but Mulder on uh, Sassuolo, very good player. I think he'll be in high demand uh, next season. Uh, and I think, you know, he's been around forever, but their goalkeeper, Consigli, I think has been one of the best in Serie A. Man, would he be a huge upgrade on Roma if they had a keeper like that right now? I'd say Consigli, with Silvestri uh, and Cranio, you know, maybe the best keepers on, uh, you know, smaller teams in Serie A right now. Yeah, Silvestri linked with Roma. And I know those those yeah. veteran keepers, those Italian keepers, they tend to develop them pretty well on the peninsula. So, yeah. you know, we'll keep an eye at Roma. Um, I know you said you weren't big on prospects. Any players on Sassuolo that have caught your eye that are young or maybe out on loan? I know. Personally, I like Gianluca Scamacca. I wrote a piece about him recently, yeah. how I think Roma should try to bring him back. Anybody yeah. that you like in their system? Uh, uh, Giacomo Raspadori, a striker, 20-year-old striker, is pretty good. Uh, yeah, he's definitely one to watch. They bought a defender this summer that I had heard a lot about, uh, Ayan and no, actually Tolian, who they brought in from the Bundesliga, and he was supposed to be make a big impact for him. I haven't yet quite seen it. Uh, keep an eye on him. Marlon is another center back that they almost sold to the Premier League. He can be pretty good as well. But of the younger ones, uh, I would definitely give a shout out to Raspadori. Okay. So before we get into Sunday's match, David, where do you ultimately see Sassuolo finishing the season, do you think? Look, uh, this season in Serie A is very hard to handicap because I think the league is very strong overall. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of good teams. 
And it's also so unpredictable, right? I mean, except for Milan, to me, everyone's been really, really inconsistent and hard to say. But look, uh, Sassuolo have a lot of continuity. They didn't change their team much from last season. They have a manager who has a system and is also pretty crafty. I don't know. Top four feels like a stretch to me because when I look at the top four, I think Milan are definitely going to be in that top four. I, I don't know if they can win the Scudetto, but I think with the way they're off, it's going to be hard to get them out of that. So maybe Milan replaces Lazio. I mentioned that first on a Roma podcast, but then you have Napoli, who I think are quite good. And Roma's really, really impressed me this season um is saying juve and inter are two locks i would say juve is a lock i don't i think inter close so it's going to be tough and then i didn't even mention atalanta who've been really up and down so look you know i think if sassuolo can finish sixth in the europa league that's already terrific but i don't put it past them that in this crazy season that they could somehow sneak into the top four that's not out of the question either but I just look at uh, the quality of so many of the other teams that that's just a lot of teams that they have to leapfrog over. Yeah, I agree. I think Europa League much more likely. I think they have a good shot at Europa League based on the inconsistencies of the other clubs. Um, but, you know, like you said, crazy season, you know, a team could come down with a couple of COVID cases, throw them off track like we've yeah. seen and things could go crazy. So uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so looking ahead to Sunday's match, both Roma and Sassuolo, even though they've both played fairly well to open the season, both coming off big losses last weekend. Uh, Sassuolo lost 3 nothing at home to Inter. Roma lost 4 nothing uh, down in Naples um, against Napoli. So tough losses for both teams. So really a big match because they are both high on the table, but it's a very tight race up top um, for those top four places. So looking ahead, you know, Roma is on 17 points. Uh, Sassuolo's on 18, like I mentioned, tied with Inter. There's a couple other teams on 17. Uh, Napoli uh, is on 17, and I forget who else, but there's, I think, one other team on 17. So big table implications in this match, especially if it turns into a six-point swing with one of the teams winning. Um, Some key absences, you know, Roma, we found out today, Gianluca Mancini will miss out on this one. Jordan Veratu and Chris Smalling still questionable. Neither one was called up for the Europa League match today. So we have our fingers crossed here that that at least Smalling will make his way back, if not Veratu as well. Um, for Sassuolo, Caputo, Defrel, uh, Kirikesh, all questionable for Sassuolo based on the, the most recent reports I saw from Gazette Dello Sport on their projected formations. So there could be some key players missing for both clubs, um, which could take away from the, the match a little bit um, and maybe change what these managers want to do in terms of formation. So... Looking ahead, David, what do you see as the keys for Sassuolo in order to beat Roma on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, those are uh, some pretty significant absences on Roma, that's for sure. Um, you know, my concern is to Zeko, his condition. We know how important he is, and he just really hasn't looked himself right now. So, look, you know, Sassuolo have a great offense uh, with Mancini uh, being out. Uh, I know the keeper position, it sounds like Paul Lopez won't be back in the starting lineup. Let's see how that goes. So that should be really intriguing. But I think the midfield, if you're a Calcio hipster, that's really where you want to look. And it's just too bad Vertu isn't there because it would be it'd be great if he can play and maybe he will. That would make it much more exciting. But both teams obviously have a very exciting midfield. And I would say the other thing that really interests me is Roma is quite good on the wings this season. I think Spinazzola and Karlsdorp have been really good. And I think there they can do 
some damage on Sassuolo. Sassuolo are pretty good on the wing, but I see that as an area where Roma has an advantage. My only concern is Zeko. You know, if you told me Zeko is close to 100%, I'd feel a lot better about Roma here. Yeah, the the Jacko situation was interesting on Sunday because he looked like a shell of himself against Napoli. You know, we were excited to have him back from COVID. We thought, you know, great, we have our, our big striker against a big opposition. But uh, in many ways, uh, it would have been better in some ways if Myral started, I think, just because Jacko didn't have much in terms of yeah, legs. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Pedro and Mkhitaryan were poor, which is rare to see all three of them poor on the same day. So it really put Rome in a hole, which we mentioned on our last episode. But um, one thing I, I read a lot of, I watched the Sassuolo intermatch. I hadn't gotten to watch much Sassuolo before that. And I saw some comments that they, what people said tactically Conte did so well was he played a, a more narrow 3-5-2 rather than the 3-4-1-2 that he normally plays. And he pushed the two forwards up high with Sanchez and um, Lautaro played that match with Lukaku getting the game off. And that narrow pressing on the center backs forced Sassuolo to start the ball wider rather than through the middle. And that was one of the keys for Inter. Do you think that's something Roma could replicate or do you think Deserbia will learn his lesson from that? Yeah, no, I have to give a lot of credit to Conte in that game because, look, those two teams went into that match in absolutely opposite trajectories. You know, you would have thought that this was really a chance for Sassuolo to take it to him, but I thought you're right. I thought Conte was great in that game. He went back to his roots. I thought in that game did Zerbi and it's not happened often. This season, I was pretty much the first time I've seen him get grossly outcoached there. You know, Conte went back to doing what he does best, you know, benches Hakimi, puts in, uh, you know, Darmian isn't playing Ericsson, has Gagliardini, his workman-like team, and that's what got him the result. So maybe Roma needs to be inspired by that as well, because I think if you try to go blow for blow against a swallow, especially with Zeko not at 100%, that might not be the best strategy. So maybe try to slow things down, take away points of references for Sassuolo. Yeah, that's probably a good tactic. And I think Fonseca has shown that he is a pretty crafty manager. I'm sure, just like you, he paid a lot of attention to that game and has similar ideas. Yeah, and, and you know, being that Roma has switched to that three-man back line, it would be interesting to see if they, they do come with some variation of that. I, w- I don't see them playing a 3-5-2 like Inter, but maybe, a, you know, play the 3-4-2-1 a little bit differently than they're used to. Um, I, I'd like to see Roma press a little bit more on Sunday because they were very flat on Sunday, um, and, you know, Napoli took it to them for that reason. So I know you mentioned the matchup in the midfield. Definitely one I'm looking forward to. Two, two of the better young Italian midfielders. We mentioned Locatelli and, you know, Lorenzo Pellegrini, uh, in my opinion, is starting to turn himself into a more complete sure. midfielder this season. He's played much better defensively than we've seen in the past. You know, he's no mm-hmm. De Rossi, I I've mentioned, but he's starting to really put in a, a full shift, which is important for Roma and important for him. Um, definitely, definitely a different player than he was when he came over from Sassuolo. Um Anything on Roma, David, that you'd like to mention? Anything that you've noticed? Any players you have jumped out at you? I know you mentioned Spinazzola and Karsdorp. I have to say Ibanez is someone, and I know he had a horrible game against Napoli, but I have to say Ibanez has really impressed me. Um, Can he kind of be Marquinhos 2.0? Not totally out of the question. Maybe, you know, a slightly not as good version of that he's definitely someone that has stood out to me i think pedro being so superb as a signing look we knew he was going to make a nice impact on roma and made perfect sense we know roma 
they need to keep getting these Premier League mm-hmm. players because these Premier League players arrive in Rome and they are like, oh my God, this is the greatest city in the world. And I love it here. So they need to keep doing that because that's clearly working. And I love Mkhitaryan. Like, what is there left to say? You know, I was doing on my podcast, we were doing MVP rankings or talking about Ronaldo, Lukaku, Ibra. And then I'm like, you know, Mkhitaryan really belongs in this conversation, the way he's played this season. What a sensational signing to get him essentially on a Bosman deal. Uh, terrific. So, yeah, that's what stood out to me is Mkhitaryan and Pedro being to get, uh, being a big issue. You got to wonder, you know, if Roma had even just an average keeper, like how much different things could look for them. So hopefully they'll address that in January. But again, I think if you're a Roma fan, you have to be really pretty happy with how uh, things are going, to say the least. Yeah, things have certainly been on a good trajectory for us since uh, July that lost to Napoli. And everything in between the, the two losses to Napoli outside the Sevilla match have been pretty good. Fonseca has shown some nice growth. And like you mentioned, Ibanez, I mean, I don't know how he wasn't getting minutes at Atalanta, but he's turned into a great signing. I know the jokes have already started that he'll be on PSG next year from some Roma fans. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, nice player and I think a, a good building block if the Friedkin group takes a little bit of a different approach in the Mercato. So, David, great breakdown from you. I, I love everything you had to say about Sassuolo. Nice look ahead to Sunday. So now I'm going to put the pressure on you. Uh, what are, what's your prediction for Sunday? Maybe a score, maybe a couple score goal scorers? Okay, I'm going to go uh, 2-2, um, and I'm going to give a goal to Mkhitaryan. I'm going to be confident on Zeko that it will be better, and I'm going to go Balga and Berardi for uh, Sassuolo. I'll say this, if it's not a draw, I think Roma is going to take it. I'm not sure Sassuolo can win outright, but again, you can't put it past them because on their day, they could be great, but it should really be a great game. I definitely look forward to seeing the managers. And again, I think for Roma fans, you're going to have a lot of, uh, you know, what if watching the Zerbi. But again, I want to reiterate that I really like Fonseca, and I think that decision, as much as I highly rate the Zerbi, was the right one at the time. So it should be a great game and I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I, you know, after Roma bounced back nicely today, I'm going to predict a Roma win. Um, I'm going to be optimistic. I'll go three, two, because I do see some goals in this one. I'm, I'm going to hope that Jekko bounces back with a goal and then I'll go uh, Mkhitaryan and I'll go with a Pellegrini goal against his X side. Uh, be nice to see him score a goal. And then I'll go with uh, Berardi and Boga as well. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully Roma can pull it out. Uh, and then we'll, you know, we'll be back here on Across the Roomiverse to discuss. But before we go, David, tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can find the Couchland podcast and, and all the great work that you do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. It was a real pleasure to be on. So uh, we do Couchland podcast twice a week. We usually post Tuesdays and Fridays. And uh, Steve's going to be on my show tomorrow, which we're looking forward to that, which is great. Uh, you know, during the transfer window, I uh, managed Di Marzio's English page uh, with a crew of uh, six other guys. So we'll keep you up to date with transfers. Hopefully we'll have some reports on a very good keeper going to Roma in January. So uh, you can read me there. And, you know, we have a patron page on Calcioland. If you like the podcast, I write a few articles there as well. But yeah, the pod and the Mercato stuff coming up as uh, the place to be. So thanks so much for having me. It was a real pleasure to be on your show. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again, David. And all you Roma fans out there, we'll talk to you again after Sunday's match against Sassuolo. Mm-hmm.